Hi, I'm Sam Thompson, and you're listening to Life Right Now. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Life Right Now. I'm making a lot of changes and transitions in this podcast. And while I did say over a year ago that I wanted to make a lasting impact, I have since rediscovered my goals uh, for this podcast. And I'm excited because it's going to help you. It's going to help me. It's going to help someone. Um, You know, maybe not every... Maybe not every episode or every topic is going to relate to you, but I do want this to be a helpful podcast. I went through a lot in 2020, as we all did, and we're all looking for something to help us, something to bring us some clarity and understanding of different things. And I've already stated what my intentions are with the podcast, what types of things we're planning to cover, and I have more. I'm so excited because I'm getting more suggestions, and I'm reaching out and talking to more people about getting on this podcast, and I've been so inspired. And so this first full episode is talking about uncommon healing. So I want to tell you, looking back over 2020, life right now is not what I expected it to be. See, I have to give you a little backstory. At the end of 2019, my life turned upside down. I was forced into a separation. I had to literally go sleep on a friend's couch for two weeks. Um, And I had to find an apartment. And uh, I had to be able to work and support myself, support my kids, support everything that came with that. And ultimately, at the end of that was a divorce. And divorces are not fun. Divorces are difficult. They're hard. They're stressful. They, they show you a lot of yourself. Um, and while I, I do have regrets, I have some regrets, I, the biggest regret that I have is that I didn't spend more time bettering myself as a man and as a husband, as a human being, because I wasn't the person I needed to be. And this gave me the opportunity to search myself out. While I didn't see that at the beginning, that's what I ultimately found. I found more healing, not just healing from what had happened, but healing in my life, healing to realize what could make me a better person. And that's what I want to talk to you about. So why does divorce happen? I want to give you a few statistics that you can easily Google and get the answers. Overall, the results indicate that most often divorces are at the individual level and there was lack of commitment. That makes up 75% of it. 59.5% of it was infidelity. And over 57% of it was too much conflict and arguing, followed by marrying too young. um, That was 45%. Financial problems at 36%. Substance abuse was 34%. And domestic violence at 23.5%. Divorce is tough. Separation is tough, and a forced separation is even tougher, especially when it's unexpected. But did you know that nearly 50 of all marriages in the U.S. in in divorce or in separation, studies show that 87% of couples that separate will file for divorce. 
and only 13% will reconcile. It's so sad. But separation can be good. It forces both individuals to take an inward look and figure out what can they do better for themselves? What can they do better that will make them better? And see, I'm, I'm not always an advocate for a separation. I think there's things that need to be done internally. And this could have been avoided. However, it wasn't. And so with that time, it gave me so much time to focus on myself, to identify my problems, my issues, where I failed, while I was hoping that she would do the same. But that's where you have to draw the line. You let them worry about them. You worry about you. So as I said, separation that led to a divorce. It's tough. It's hard. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I would never wish a divorce on anybody. My only desire for anybody in a serious relationship or in a marriage is that you find and take the tools and the resources necessary to fix yourself and then see if it can work out in the end. So let me talk to you about what I had to go through. There's stages of grief. If you don't know that, Google it. Google is a good friend. And so let me share a few of them with you. And I'm going to give you my point of view on them. This is going to change for every person. But the stages of grief that I had to go through while I readjusted to life, um, you know, they, they're impactful. They're eye-opening. So you, it's best to understand what you're dealing with. So the stages of grief are denial and isolation, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So let's talk about denial and isolation. For me, I didn't ever have a case of denial. I never thought this isn't really happening. This never It never crossed my mind to even think that. It was very real. <laughs> it was very real to me. Um, but isolation, yes, isolation happened. Um, I cut myself off from people. Um, it, it was, it was a new thing. It's an embarrassment. It's tough. And the only thing you kind of think to do naturally is to isolate, shut yourself off from everybody else. They don't need to know my business. Um, I'll take care of it and I'll fix it later. That's who I was. I was the fix it guy. I wanted to fix everything. Um, the only thing that you can fix though is yourself. Isolation was definitely what I dealt with. Anger. This isn't in any specific order either, but I did deal with anger. Uh, anger over the person, anger over the situation, anger through some of the process. But it didn't come right away. Um, I expected it. I waited for it. I anticipated to be angry. And it was probably five or six months before the first... Um, the first wave of anger actually hit me. And thankfully, it was short-lived because I didn't want to be angry. I didn't want my attitude and my thoughts and my feelings of anger to trickle down to my kids. Um, I wanted to be able to continue to present a strong and stable front for them because that's what they needed. They needed stability through the transition. Through They needed stability through the instability of what was happening. And... Um, so that's what I had to focus on. So anger didn't come right away. I was very mentally prepared for it when it did come. 
Um, I even immediately identified it when it did come and hit me. But anger is part of the process. And you just have to make sure that when you feel that, that you take the time to allow yourself to feel that anger. Allow yourself to, to let that anger out without affecting anyone else. So make sure that you're aware of that if you're going through this. Another one is bargaining. And this is one that I will say, honestly, I did right away. There was um, nothing else that I wanted more than to reconcile. And so you bargain. You you try to persuade. Um, and so while there was some cards exchanged and, 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 and confessions and, and anything like that, like anything I could think of, I was doing. Playing the right song anytime I was around her, um, you know, doing anything I could. But that's not what was needed. It doesn't work. Um, everyone's probably going to go through that. It's natural. It's natural to say, I will do this or I will do whatever it takes. But the truth of the matter is that you might not. You're so early into that. Bargaining is just a way to get back what you lost. And sometimes that's not going to happen. Sometimes it, it will happen, but it's not going to happen with your bargaining. It's just, it's, it's just not. I'm just being real with you. Um, but that was something that I did deal with pretty quickly and it expired very quickly, but that's another stage of grief that you'll, that you will feel, you will feel it. Another one is depression. And I can say that I never was clinically depressed through this. Um, while I believe 100% that a lot of people will, I don't, I don't think that I ever did. Now, again, though, I was isolating. So those thoughts of my life is over. I'll never, it'll never be the same. It'll never go back to the way it was. Um, th- those things did come into mind, but it wasn't, that wasn't really the case of, uh, as far as depression. I didn't ever fall into any severe depression, no medical, uh, clinical depression. I just dealt with it. <laughs> for that was for me. I do believe some people won't be able to. You need to be able to probably open up. Uh, in that time of isolation and get somebody in your life Um, because they'll check in with you. They will love you. They will take, you know, they won't necessarily physically take care of you, but they will be there for you and you'll need that person. So, you know, something to be aware of, like that is a possibility that you will hit some depression in there. The last one is acceptance. So for me, acceptance was accepting the reality of what had happened. Separation, divorce is going to come. And it's interesting because I asked a friend of mine who had dealt with a separation from his wife. They have since reconciled, and I'm, I'm so thankful for them. I'm thankful for that. They talked to me a lot. They helped me a lot, helped me understand a lot of things. But um, they, uh, they had a separation. And I, I talked to the gentleman about that, and I asked him because, like I said, the thing you have to realize is you can't fix this situation. You can't fix people. You can only fix yourself. And the only way you can do that is when you start focusing on yourself to fix and better yourself. And I asked him, I said, how long did it take you to stop trying to do things to win your wife back? How long did it take you to focus on just you making yourself better? And he told me three months. I mean, straight. I said, how long? He said three months. And while that's different for everybody as well, I took that to heart. I needed a goal. I needed 
um, you know, I needed a mile marker that I could strive for. And three months was that. And I wanted to feel better. Maybe I wouldn't feel better, but I wanted to feel relief in three months. And within about two months, uh, I actually had that release and that acceptance and relief. Um, because I had made up my mind that I needed to focus on myself and focus on healing myself. Um, and I needed to be better. Everything that I could possibly identify, I needed to correct and be better for myself and my kids and for my future. And so when I got the word that it was pretty much over uh, and that the process was just being waited out to, to move towards divorce, I sat on the couch and I just said, huh. In that moment, I knew there was nothing I could do. I knew I had to focus on me 100%. While I had made that determination, I knew that the, the goal was me. The goal was to make a better version of myself. And I hated that phrase for a long time. Hated the phrases, trust the process. And I really hated the phrase, and I'm being serious, I hated to be the best version of myself because I really thought that I was a great version of myself. I couldn't see what would be better until I could identify what I was doing wrong. And so I had to step into my healing process, not healing just from what if, the situation that had happened, but healing my issues and my insecurities and my faults and failures and finding how to, how to do it all better and how to be the better version of myself. And so I want to walk you through my healing process in hopes that what I did will help you. Maybe not everything I did helps you. Maybe it won't apply to you in your situation. But the very first thing that I am going to say, I hope will help you. And I hope you will take consideration of if you are ever dealing with this or have. My steps of healing first started with therapy. Immediately, my separation started on a Monday and I was in a professional therapist's office. I was in a real therapist's office by Thursday. Um, that was the earliest and quickest I could get in. Um, straight up told him, I said, I don't know what to expect. I've never felt like this. I don't know how this works. I don't know where things go from here. I told him I could be suicidal. I don't know. There, there were so many unknowns to me. But the importance of counseling and therapy is to allow you to first express what you need to say. There's going to be waves that goes through therapy, but you're not judged. And that's the greatest thing. You talk to somebody that you don't know, they don't know your business. And for the first few weeks, they don't say much. They allow you to express and say everything you need to say, because in that time, you're going to hear yourself say something that you're like, wow, I never realized that. And it could be about the situation, could be about yourself. So expect that. But I encourage it. Therapy, counseling, individual. Um, in that moment, I, at the beginning, all I could think about was couples therapy. How can we go and fix this? You know, fix us. And there's no fixing us until you can fix yourself. And... So therapy was the best choice I ever made. Therapy was 
um, incredible. And I uh, went to it weekly, uh, very consistently, for eight months. And I still maintain that level of contact so that I can do check-ins uh, every month or you know every couple months. It just depends. Holidays definitely messed me up a little bit, but that's okay. The it's important to have that. I will use it more. Um, I don't think it ever has to stop. But that process to identify the f- things that I was dealing with, the things that I didn't do well, um, you know, even levels of control or um, a level of anger, um, you know, anything like that. I discovered so much. I discovered where habits were formed from my family, like my personal family. And how I carried those into my marriage, I realized I didn't have the information um, or the resources or the full understanding of how to communicate. And so therapy was the greatest thing I ever did. And it, it eventually actually turned into two separate therapy sessions. I was talking to two separate counselors um, about different issues. And it was great. It was the best thing I ever did. Another one was slowing down. I kept seeing this all the time. Wait, wait. And I am not patient. I I don't like to wait. I don't like to slow down. But you have to allow yourself to be patient. Um, That thought definitely crosses your mind. Well, what if the world ends? Or what if this happens? Or what if that happens, you know, before this is done? The important thing is that you have to wait. You have to slow down. You have to realize that this is a process and it's going to take time. So slow down. Don't rush the process because you can't. It, it doesn't work. Um, while setting some benchmarks, setting some goals um, for where you're wanting to get to, that's fine. And you may, you may hit it, but you'll still have to slow down. Um, and, and, and just watch as things go, watch as things progress, because you'll learn so much in that time if you can slow down and be patient. So the next one is writing out responses without sending them. See, while there was a little bit of communication that, have, that has to happen because of my children, um, I have a lot to say. It's easy for me to talk. So I would write emails that were pages long. And I realized it's not effective. It's overwhelming. Um, it doesn't make any point to come across any better. And so the best thing I learned was taking that time that I had things to say. If I wasn't able to say it in therapy and I had things to say to somebody or say to my ex, it was writing it out and giving my full expression in that email, but not sending it. And I would let it sit there. And if it was an email that I did need to send, I'd write it out. I'd sit on it for 24 hours. And then I guarantee you it will happen with you too. After 24 hours passed, you sit there and you think, all right, I don't need to say this. I don't need to say this. I can take this out. I'll reward this. Your email becomes a lot better. And your word and your message, your communication immediately goes up because you're having time to process it. And what that turned into was responding instead of reacting. Whereas it's usually a reaction. That's usually where we all get stuck is we get stuck in reactions. The next one is accountability. And this one's tough. 
This one's hard. As a guy, actually, I believe this goes for both men and women. But when you're in an uncharted territories, uncharted waters, you need somebody that can help keep an eye on you. And sometimes it takes you putting yourself out there. For a while, I had three different people that were holding me accountable. And I just felt like I needed to surround myself with those people. Um, and so having somebody who could say, you know, Sam, are, you know, I'm checking in with you. How you doing? Uh, I've been concerned with you on this. You know, I did reach out. I asked for that. Um, and that was that was important to me because I wanted to make sure I was staying on track. And so I encourage you. It doesn't have to be somebody. It's usually not going to be somebody who sees everything the way you see it. In fact, that's what holds you accountable is they, they, they're going to disagree with you. Um, so be prepared for that. You know, you may get angry, you may get frustrated, but really those people are there to support you and help you. And they will know what it's going to take for you to be better. And that's what they're there to do. They're there to help you. So accountability, that's a great one. Um, you know, really reach out. It doesn't have to be your closest friend. In fact, sometimes it may be easier to be somebody that, that you're not very close with. Just, you know, maybe they can know the situation of what you're dealing with. So accountability, very important thing. Um, I highly recommend it will help you. The next one is honesty. And so while I dealt with a lot of life in general, um, honesty should seem pretty straightforward and, and honest, but I didn't realize that I didn't know what honesty was. I didn't realize I didn't know what transparency was. And I learned quickly that honesty is transparency, full transparency. And so in that time, you know, there was definitely, there was things I didn't think about. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, you know, during the separation, I'm not supposed to have, um, I'm not supposed to have access to social media accounts and stuff like that, that weren't mine. And I, I did, and I would check them to see if anything was written or said about me. And I, I, when I was talking to my accountability partner and his wife, I said, like, I don't know what to do with this. Like I, it's not helping me. It's hurting me. It, every time I look at it, it literally makes me take three steps back or a week step back from all this progress that I feel like I made. And then I go look at this and it's not helping me. And they told me straight up, tell her. And I'm like, what? There's no way, like no way I would tell her. Like, I'm just hoping that somebody will help me see that I, I shouldn't be on these accounts and, 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 and just log out and delete it off my phone or my computer. And I don't have to tell her that I was on her social media. And <laughs> that's not honesty. Um, while that's correcting a, a, you know, bad behavior, it's not honest. And so I did it. It was, it was tough. The, the response I got from it was hard to read, but justified. You see at that moment, that was a huge pivotal point in my life too, because I've never been that honest. I thought, and I even talked to other family that agreed with me. That's where it gets dangerous. But they agreed with me. Like, yeah, you should just be able to log out, leave it alone, like all is well. But the point was that being honest is being transparent. You know, sharing what you wouldn't share. Um, you have to have that open, that open honesty because it's not just for that person. It's for yourself. 
And since then, I've had to be honest multiple times. And it's tough. It's been some of the toughest honesty that I've ever had to deliver. But the point was that I did. I was honest from that start point, and I've tried to continue that. I've, I've, if I haven't been, I've gone back and tried to correct it, um, you know, for myself because I don't want to steer people wrong. I don't want to give off false information. I, I want to be honest, um, but it actually sits with me longer than it will sit with anybody else that I'm not being fully transparent. And so that was one of the the biggest things that I had to learn in the healing process. And once I learned how to do it at the beginning. It's gotten easier and easier. Now that is my my way of life. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be transparent about the important things in my personal life, um, in on, in all things, but um, specifically in my personal life. It's 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 a great thing to to feel that weight lifted off when you're not holding something back. Um, full transparency, honesty. The next one was actually something that was given to me. It was a it was a statement. Um, the guy, a friend of mine that I lived with. He told me straight up, do what's best for your kids. You have to do what's best for your kids. And that's all I've focused on. Um, While I have had to take time to focus on myself as well, to make sure I'm getting through the things I need to do, taking care of my responsibilities, my number one responsibility was to take care of my children. And um, that was, it, it wasn't tough. The adjustment to the new lifestyle was tough, but taking care of the kids is not tough. If you love your children, you'll do whatever it takes to take care of them. You'll do whatever it takes to give them what they need. Not what they want, but what they need. And um, But he just said, every decision I make, every thought, every time I turn around, every time I drive somewhere, every person I talk to, do what's best for the kids. And that's all I've tried to focus on. That's all I've tried to focus on through that process, through the healing process and continuing on. Um, so I encourage that. When when you have so much bearing down on your shoulders and you don't know what to do, my out was, what is best for the kids? Maybe you don't have kids. So then that would be the time that you would say, what is best for you? Not what will make you happier, but long-term, what's best for you? And, uh, but for me, it was, it was kids. And that's what I was told to do. He said, do what's best for the kids. So that's what I did. The next one is stay busy. And this one sounds counterintuitive. Um, because you, you get scared of not paying attention to what's going on. Um, I dealt with the feeling of, I should feel sad and I should feel regretful and I should feel pain. Um, And so I didn't like the feeling of forgetting. I didn't want anything to cloud that feeling of, of remorse that I was dealing with. But the important thing is to keep your mind busy because you can't let your mind play with what if. So what I was finding for myself was work was there, but I was distracted even at work. So I was finding time to go visit friends um, go out of town, make little trips, go see family, um, guide some hunts because I like to hunt. Uh, I did I did all of that stuff, and that stuff kept me busy for the first few months, and that was that was great. So it's worth paying attention to what you need 
um, and, and who can be there to facilitate that. Take that time. Keep your mind busy because the more what is to play in your head, um, the more you can convince yourself of scenarios that either didn't happen or you want to happen, and it's not going to be healthy for you. So, you know, when you're when you're home, if you can't, if you can keep out of depression, you know, take the time when you're home to focus on something to make you better. Stay busy, read books, read self help books, um, listen to music, play a guitar, um, pray, do whatever you need to do. Uh, keep yourself busy. Keep your mind busy. The next one, uh, read self-help books and uh, read them for yourself. Read them for personal, financial, work, professionalism, uh, family, spiritual. Read. You will be so surprised how much you can learn. I read. I started reading and immediately just pulled in so much information. The first book I read um, was Love and Respect by Emerson Egrich, and I, it wasn't a, a level of enjoying the book. I was convicted heavily over that, um, realizing quickly things that I missed and wasn't doing correctly in my life um, and in my marriage. And so that book struck me hard. And I took that book and I actually listened to the audiobook first. I think I listened to the audiobook twice before I had the hard copy. And now I've gone through the hard copy. I've probably read that book four or five times. Uh, in less than a year, because it actually just opened my eyes so much. But um, other books that I had as well uh, just were self-help books and um, uh, some spiritual guidance books and stuff like that for myself. But find books that will interest you. Find books that will um, entertain you. Find books that will help you. And watch yourself grow tremendously, because it helps yourself. Even though you can read a book about helping your marriage or helping your relationships. Maybe you're not in that spot, but it it can't hurt you. If you if you try to come out of the process not having yourself um any self-help, then then you're you're just doing yourself a disservice. So, take the time to read and 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 study up on on better habits and better things and and let your mind explore how you can be better and the things that you can do better. The next one I'm going to say is keeping your friends and family close. It's very difficult to go through the process and not have anybody. Like I said, I did deal with isolation and I had accountability people, but you have to have friends and family close. And that might be tough in a separation or, or a divorce because you might have some mutual friends in there. The important thing in that scenario is to not discuss the other person, but discuss you, you know, discuss what's going on. You know, um, any chance that you get to be able to, you know, go spend time with them, do it. Um, I spent a lot of time visiting family that I really didn't spend much time with the previous year or last couple years. I spent a lot of time with my grandfather, which I was super happy that I got the chance to do. Um, I, so I had I had some travel in there. Um, like I said, friends too. I spent time with friends. I traveled down to St. Louis and spent time spent a, a weekend with a friend, and that was actually one of the best um, distractions of my of my week and of my month of the early part of my process. It was great. So I, I encourage it. Um, keep your friends and family close because they love you. They will help you. They will tell you when you're doing wrong. They'll tell you when you're doing right. Um, you know, don't let them put a lot of false thoughts in your head about the end result. Let yourself work through the process, but you want to have people that you're comfortable with and that you love and that you can support and be supportive, be supported by. 
This is the another one, uh, accepting the status quo. And I touched on this already, but it took about three months. That was the acceptance level. Um, accepting the status quo. That's the point when you hit acceptance that you are determined to focus 100% of your efforts on yourself and what's the best for you. In my case, it was what is best for me and my kids. So at that point, you know, it really was like now taking the initiative. Now I'm actually grocery shopping. Now I'm actually planning meals. Now I'm planning what are my kids going to be doing in the spring? You know, um, what are we doing in the summer? Are we going to go on a vacation? What's the next step? What's going to come? And so that's just, that's just it. Like, it's very easy for me to just say, accept it. This is what reality is. Take it and move on. But it's going to take you time. It's part of the process. It's part of healing. Um, but be ready and be mentally prepared to accept the status quo. This is what is. So now, now that we know, like this is established, now we move on to the next thing. And that's exactly what I did. And I've been blessed. I've been greatly blessed through that process. The moment I could let go of my hopeful wishes, and there's nothing wrong with hoping, but once I could let go of that, I could focus on me and my kids instead of focusing on how to fix somebody else. And that's where I had to be. Accept the status quo, part of the healing. The next one is setting your boundaries. This one is hard. Okay, I keep saying things are hard. The whole process can be hard, but you will definitely run into this. Setting boundaries with family and friends. And I'm going to touch on a couple things here. Um, family is certainly one of them. Family Setting boundaries with family is, is hard because it's your family. You love them. They will love you, but they are certainly not unbiased. Um, they're very biased of you. And so you have to set those boundaries. I, I struggled with that because um, I want everyone to think that I'm right and everyone do it my way and wanted to fix everything at the beginning. That doesn't work. Um, setting boundaries with family, though, had to come into play because they were on my side, too. And I tried to tell them a little bit at the beginning, but I mean, it, you know, that, hey, this isn't all my fault. It's never it never is, you know, um, but I also tried to tell them that it was all my fault. They, they, family can't look at things, um, as clearly as us or as a therapist, we'll see it. Like I said, they are biased. You have to set boundaries. You have to set boundaries as you move forward in life. I realized in my past, there wasn't some boundaries that needed to be set with my family when it came to my relationship. And now that I've established those boundaries, um, it's been a little bit easier to keep moving forward and keep a good relationship with them. Setting the boundary doesn't mean I'm cutting them out. It means I'm cutting them off at certain circumstances and events. And that's actually helpful to you and your process. So set those boundaries. You also will have to set boundaries with friends. Again, your friends, people that are drawn to you, are not going to be unbiased. They are biased because they like you. They're your friend for a reason. Nothing wrong with that. But you will set boundaries with your friends. And I found that I had to set boundaries with friends because they were interfering with the process. They were creating a distraction. And it was hard because I looked at some of these people as long-term friends. I'm saying friends from 10 years ago or more, um, friends that have never caused an issue. So I didn't understand why I needed to cut them out until things started to happen or they're talking too much. Um, the wrong people are reaching out to me, causing a, a, a distraction and a, a poor influence on, on me. And it's interesting because they didn't mean any harm by it. 
but it's just what naturally was gravitating, um, specifically women too. Um, a newly separated and divorced person is is definitely going to draw um, some other single ladies. And I didn't believe that. I never saw. I've never seen that before. I wasn't prepared and didn't expect that. But yet it did happen. And so I had to set boundaries with people. And it was hard. It was tough. But in the end, what is best for you in your life and your future relationships even? You have to set those boundaries. So while you will actually struggle the hardest, and maybe you won't set all the boundaries correctly at first, um, you will. It will take time. It could take a year. It could take a couple years. Um, But you'll have to set boundaries. So be prepared for that. The next one is focusing on yourself. This is kind of the same thing as accepting the status quo. But when I accepted what was going to go on, what was happening, I was focused on myself and my kids. I already said this a couple times. Um, but it was important to to make sure that while I was doing all those other things, like all of that wasn't, you know, every, all, everything else I did in that process wasn't an ulterior motive um, to fix what had broken. And when I had to focus on myself, that was that was reassurance. That means everything that I was doing, I either had to identify that I was doing it for the wrong reason or I was doing it for the right reason. And thankfully, I took the word of therapists and um, accountability partners and close family and friends that did steer me in the right direction. And I focused on myself, my healing process, my spirituality, my livelihood, my finances, my uh, my integrity, my honesty, my love, my compassion, um, all of it. And so when I took that time to focus on myself, I realized that I am going the right way. I am going to get through this, you know, and uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about it. I'm happy that I went through that process. It was so tough, but it was, it was so necessary and so needed. The other thing I, I learned was to get ready because it's incredible how you don't always see what's going on with other people until you've gone through the same situation. And be ready because your situation and your process will equip you. See, as I went through my process, and I mean really quickly, things started happening. I realized um, that the friend that I was staying with, I think he was married over 20 years. Um, He was dealing with a separation from his wife. Another friend from work came to me and was dealing with a separation from his wife. And there's another one in there too. I saw so much separation and divorce going on at the exact same time as me. It was incredibly heartbreaking because I knew how I felt. And I could only just imagine what these other men and a couple of women that I knew, I could only imagine what they were going through. I could almost feel what they were going through because I was feeling it too. And they, it was interesting because they kept coming to me, not all of them, but um, a few of them, especially the men. Um, they they were coming to me. They they wanted to understand and know what are you doing, what's working, what's not working, and um, I was happy and thrilled that while it hurt to feel what I felt and to go through what I was going through, it was to help them. Um, also, it was to give them the resources and give them information and give them uh, somebody to talk to. And I, I kept that line open, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, while 
both of those um, ended in divorce for those other gentlemen. You know, one both you know one of them has moved on very well with his life, um, and f- he's still working to discover himself. And I'm proud of him for that. You know, and the other one has since moved on and has found um, a new love interest. He, he's got a great person in his life. Um, I, I have yet to meet her, unfortunately, but I'm excited and happy for him. And you know, he had to go through his process, and it was difficult. He suffered. Um, a minor financial setback in that too. And you're always going to deal with that in a divorce. Um, but he, he made out okay. And he, he's, he's, he was open and ready to bounce back and move on with his life. His life didn't end because of one person leaving his life grew because of the experience of what it taught him. And he's, he's happy and he's doing great in his life. And so that leads me into my conclusion. My process made me a better person. My process brought me to the best version of myself. And while I'm not an advocate for jumping right into something new right away when you're still dealing with your process, there are things that can come out of nowhere and surprise you. And that's where I sat at. Um, very quickly, after everything was kind of finishing up, I, I had met a beautiful woman. And I had no idea that it was going to go where it did. But I'm engaged now. (laughs) And so um, it's so exciting because this wonderful woman came into my life. And it was very interesting because we had a lot of our stories weren't the same, but we had some situations of our past that were similar. And we connected with that. Um, The process that she had already dealt with in her past and her life instantly gave me more tools for healing. And it gave me more options and resources to check into and to check out for myself. Um, That's where the second counselor came in. Um, There was so much that was brought to the table. And the one thing that definitely scared me to get into a relationship was, was I ready to bring everything that I had just gone through and everything I had just learned to a new relationship? And while it happened quicker than I expected, it immediately was very rewarding because First off, the dating phase all happened during COVID. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. So it was intimate nights together, cooking dinner and sitting on the couch, talking until 2 a.m. And I actually mean that, talking till 2 a.m. We were literally, you, we couldn't even live with just butterflies because we had to know more about each other. We wanted to know, like, where is this going to go? Is this, worth ta- is this worth going the extra mile to learn about? Is this worth putting an investment into. And while we already did face our severe challenges in the in a relationship, we knew how to communicate. We knew how to slow down. We knew how to take all the tools and resources that we had learned through our own processes and bring them together to to unify. And that's what it takes. It takes two people that are 100% in themselves to make a, a to make a great commitment, to make a great relationship. And we both were there and we are there and we continue to build ourselves up because of our focus. And while our focus isn't 100% on each other, it's actually 100% on God. We focus on him and that brings us up. But the closer we align to God, the closer we come together. And we're happy about that. That is part of our life and our spirituality. And it's, it's proving successful. I'm so excited because she opened her heart and her doors and her life to even my children and they've 
opened their their hearts and their minds to her. And it's it's been rewarding. We see the benefits of how our histories and our lives that are put together now are helping each other. The greatest thing was that we've contributed to each other as well. Like I said, she gave me tools and resources um, in the way of another therapist to talk to. And I know that I've challenged her in in certain things and aspects of our relationship too, to the point where it's all we can do is continue to grow. And I'm excited to share that with you. And I'm excited that you will actually get to see her on a podcast when we discuss other topics. Um, but it, that's what life brings to you. I, like I said, I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know that I would get into a relationship that quick. Um, and I actually was preparing to not. And the life just had a different had a different plan for me. And now life is totally different. Life right now is not what I expected. It's so different, but it's so good. And I am so much better for all of it. I hope that this podcast and this episode gives you some clarity. It gives you some understanding and gives you uh, something to heal with, something to understand and something to help. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Make sure to subscribe so that you know when we drop new topics.